Welcome to the Small Baller Podcast. My name is Trevor Reddick, and as always, I'm joined by a man who had nightmares about Kenneth Walker last night. Brandon Siegel, how you doing? I, you know, Trevor, here's the thing. Ultimately, that is the truth. Uh, I, I think he will forever be in my nightmares, but more so, as much as I hate that he plays for Michigan State and they destroyed my Wolverines, that man is so good. Like, he, he's going to be in the NFL, I think, for a long time. I, wouldn't you agree, Trevor? Like that, he is so good. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I mean, well, I was gonna say I'd like him on the Patriots. We'll see how Damian Harris turns out. I say that about every good. Hey, Trevor, back you like team. you like every player that is semi good on the Patriots. <laughs> you just want them all on the Patriots. Yeah, so he he was anything. yeah he looked very good yesterday. Five touchdowns, just completely went off. It was it was nuts. Yeah, he had almost two hundred yards, one hundred ninety seven yards. That's crazy, but. Of course, the third member of this podcast we are here with today is Ben O'Brien. Ben, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, and I just want to say, I think Trevor's greedy, because he's a fan of the Patriots who have six Super Bowls, and he was already gifted the greatest quarterback of all time on the Patriots, and now he just wants any player that's ever had a good game in college. <laughs> Trevor, you're a greedy sports fan, and I do not you feel bad for Cole you. remember when Cole Komet was like doing that was really my well guy. in game, and Trevor's like, I Every- want Cole Komet so bad. I want him so bad. Watch, there's going to be, first night of college basketball, there's going to be somebody that drops like 30, and he's going to be like, oh, he'd be a great fit on, on the Miami Heat. I can just see it right there. Yeah, he's <laughs> culture. would be great. If he's playing scrappy defense, diving for loose balls, yeah, he's fit for heat culture. Trevor's, Trevor's going to be like, sports fan. You want it Trevor's going to be like, uh, Xavier Thibodeau and Aiden Hutchinson, two t- top 10 picks, Michigan and Oregon yeah. and Michigan, respectfully. They need to be Patriots. They just need to be Patriots. Yeah, Bill's got to find a way to draft them both. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we have a fun episode planned uh, for today. We're actually going to start off in college football, um, and we're just going to go through the Big Ten, because the Big Ten had a day, to say the least. Do we, uh, should I do my Michigan spiel now or later? Should we do the other games first? I, I feel like you say? should just get it out now, you know, just air it all out. Yeah, let's all right, just do right, it. We'll get it out now. It's on your mind. Let's just do it. All right, all right. Michigan, Michigan State. Uh, Michigan State at home won 37-33. We saw a uh, great game from Cade McNamara, who is not a good quarterback. 383 yards, two touchdowns. Um, honestly, a relatively good game across the board from uh, Michigan's offense. Uh, the defense definitely had some rough points, but yeah, there's a lot to talk about in this game, a lot to unpack. A lot of Michigan fans are, are upset with the refs. I think respectfully, you know, they, they should be upset with the refs. However, if we had the same officiating in that game and did many other things differently, we could have easily won this game. Um, I, I mean, I, I in no way am I saying the refs are the, the cause of, of the losing bout here. I mean, there was... There was definitely bad calls. You know, the Hutchinson, or excuse me, the Ajabo fumble uh, strip sack that went for the Hutchinson touchdown. I mean, that probably was out. but And that's game-changing, don't get me wrong. But Michigan lost this game for themselves. Um, besides that, let's get past that point because we, we were having this discussion, guys, before you know we started about Jim Harbaugh. And uh, this was a poor coaching game for Harbaugh. We saw McCath- uh, McCarthy go into the game multiple times, um, and he, he fumbled the ball. Once almost lost it, got you know kicked it out of bounds, and then the next drive, Harbaugh puts him back in. Uh, they had that that botched handoff, which would have been a really really big drive for them, um, and that didn't go through. You know we see five field goals or something in this game, uh, which is just you, you can't be doing that. So I I think this begs the discussion, and as every Michigan loss does, and to me, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like Jim Harbaugh is one of like the most scrutinized coaches, and maybe maybe it like makes sense because he you know they lose sometimes but do you guys think that he gets too much scrutiny like it seems like every time he loses we have this discussion um ben, I'll, let I, you, I'll let you go i'll say this i'll say this real quick trevor and let you go i i agree i think he's probably one of if not the most scrutinized coaches but i'm not saying it's not undeserving i think yeah. he's a good coach i do but 
you got to remember, when he was hired, it was looked at as a home run hire. It was all over the news. I mean, he's getting paid, what, $9 million a year? I get it. And he, he he's Well, not anymore. He took right, the pay cut. He gets paid now a lot. Now it's like three and a half. Okay. Well, he was getting paid a lot of money. Um, and, and he got hired at Michigan. I, I get it. Like, he's he's not a bad coach. And I do think he's a good coach. But I think he definitely – he's subject to a lot of scrutiny. But I'm not saying that it's not undeserved. Maybe not to the extent. But I do think he deserves a little bit of scrutiny because of mm-hmm. – the performances that he puts up against an inferior program like Michigan State, there's no reason why Michigan should not be beating Michigan State more consistently than they are. What, what was the record, Brandon? You probably know. It's like something like Michigan's lost the last like 10 of the last 14 games or something against Michigan State. There is no reason. Michigan has every single advantage in terms of resources, uh, you know, alumni money, facilities. There's no reason why Michigan should not be consistently beating Michigan State. I mean, if we're being honest, they truly are probably they they are in terms of schools and academics and athletics, the big brother in that relationship. Um and there's just no reason why they should be consistently losing to to this team. So, I get it that he has scrutiny and I'm not saying it's 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 like I I I'm acknowledging that it's there, but I think some of it's fair because of the expectations that he had when he came in 6 years ago and because of the school that he's at with all these resources. Um I I think People expect more out of him, and I just don't think he's delivering what a lot of people expected him to when, when he got hired in 2015. Trevor, what do you think before I, I get Yeah, it? I mean, I think if we're just talking about this year specifically, I think Michigan's exceeded their expectations, even despite this Michigan State loss. They were ranked sixth in the yeah. country. They were undefeated. They had some decent wins against other Big Ten teams up until this point. And, um, yes, they lose to Michigan State. The defense doesn't play as well. And, yeah, there were some mistakes from Harbaugh. But the thing that I always keep coming back to is, like, what's the alternative? Like, what, what's Michigan going to do if if they get rid of uh, Harbaugh? I just – I don't really know what it would be, who, who the coach would be. So that's kind of what I always come back to. Like, yes, he's hasn't beaten Ohio State, and that's what everyone's going to focus on because that's the most important game of the year for both teams, for Michigan and Ohio State. Um, so – yeah, like you can, we can recognize. Yes, they haven't beaten Ohio State with Harbaugh there, but also like, who, who, which, what coach could, you know? But so that's what I ultimately come to. So I, I think this Harbaugh discussion needs to come down to expectations. Um, is the expectation like, do they sit? Does the AD sit him down? Is Ward Manuel or Mandel, whatever his name is, sit down Harbaugh and they go, our expectation is to beat Ohio State, and if that is the case. If our, if in any sense Michigan's expectations to beat Ohio State, it is incredibly unrealistic. Uh, I mean, from from many standpoints, Ohio State has the, the talent gap between Ohio State and Michigan is so large at this point. And I was telling you guys before we started the pod, if you go back to when we were freshmen in college, 2016, that Michigan team was great. That is a team that could have beaten Ohio State and didn't. I don't even know if it's Harbaugh's fault. Whatever, I don't care. That's not the point that I'm making. The point that I'm making is now the talent gap is enormous, and we are so far in this huge talent gap that the expectation should not be beating Ohio State. And, I mean, the Michigan State, the Michigan State record's abyss. That, that's terrible. I agree. However, we look at this Michigan year. I mean, last year they were atrocious in, in the COVID-esque year uh, where they barely played any games. They didn't even play the Ohio State game. Um, but, I mean, you look at this year, they were projected to win like eight, nine games on the year. Uh, most Michigan people that I follow projected them to win like nine games. I mean, they're sitting here at 7-1 and one, uh, with games to go. I mean, they're probably going to win 10 games this year, you know? So what is the expectation? Winning 10 games is an accomplishment. That is a very, very good record in college football. If our expectation 
is that we need to beat Ohio State every single year or to compete with Ohio State. That's not going to happen. I mean, it's just not going to happen. It's an unrealistic expectation. And I think that's why, like, you see a lot of Ohio State fans that are like, oh, we love that Harbaugh is still there because they're just going to lose to Michigan. It doesn't matter who they have. I don't care if they get Nick Saban or, or, or you know, whoever. It doesn't matter. The talent gap is enormous. It doesn't matter who we get there. So, Trevor, like what you were saying, who's going to be better? I agree with you. And especially after Harbaugh took this pay cut, where he's getting paid a lot less money. I mean, it's like almost a third of what he made before. It's still a large amount of money, but it's way less than he was making before. I think Harbaugh does a good job. He brought in this whole new staff that has, has given some energy uh, to the team. I like Harbaugh as a coach. If, again, if the expectations were being Ohio State, it's completely unrealistic. They're not going to beat Ohio State for 10 to 15 years unless there's a huge change in recruiting and ability to get these top blue chip recruits. It's just not going to happen. Anything else you guys want to add until we, or you know, or you can just start talking about, uh, you know, Penn State, Ohio State, or whatever other Big Ten game you'd like to. Trevor, I'll pass it to you. Yeah, so I'll transition to the Ohio State Penn State game because this ended up being a, a pretty good game. I mean, I came into it expecting, fully expecting Ohio State to win. Um, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think it'd be a blowout, but I was like, I was just confident. I was like, Ohio State's the better team. They're the best team in the Big Ten, in my opinion. They're going to win this game. Um, and yes, Penn State. Now, obviously, with Sean Clifford back after, you know, him being out for, you know, the essentially the, the losses in a sense, um, or at least two of them, um, he came back. He played decently. I mean, 361 yards, a touchdown, one interception, thir- completed 35 of 52 of his passes. Not like a terrible game from Sean Clifford necessarily, but uh, you can't really like just being all right doesn't really suffice when you're playing Ohio State. You have to be great. Um, and Ohio State you know, they, their offense overall, they, they played very well, I think in general, um, they moved the ball, but then they got stopped, uh, you know, a number of times in the red zone, you know, the Penn state defense did a good job of stopping them for field goals in the red zone, which did keep them in the game. Um, but ultimately uh, Penn state didn't, didn't really just have enough to, to overcome that. And Ohio state is the better team. Like I expected they won the game. Um, but, I, but I still think if we're talking about – because Ohio State, it, you know, for Ohio State, and we're talking about, like, goals and expectations with Michigan, for Ohio State now, if we get the expectations goals, I think what Ohio State fans would say, I think what, you know, their coach would say, what their players would say is that the goal is always to win a national championship because Ohio State has that standard with their recruiting, with their history – the goal is not just to win the Big Ten, which I think they will do. The goal is to win a championship. So on as far as that, how, how are they standing in terms of their chances to win a championship? Well, I don't think they're as good as Georgia, right? Georgia is the best team in the country right now. They've been pretty dominant. So how are they going to beat Georgia in a potential college football playoff? Uh, it's going to be tough. I mean, Georgia has an even better defense than Penn State does. So if they're struggling to to get the ball in the end zone for t- to get touchdowns against Penn State, they might have some trouble against Georgia. You have like Alabama, who's obviously going to still be really good. Uh, since he's still undefeated, you know, they're in the mix. Um, Oklahoma, I'm not quite as sold on. I think Ohio State's probably better than them. But you know, these are all questions you got to think about. How is Ohio State going to match up with a, a Georgia, an Alabama, a Cincinnati? Because that's again, that's the goal. The national championship's the goal. And right now, I think I don't think they're like in. I don't think they're super far away. I think they're probably the third or fourth best team in the country. But I still think you have to ask those questions because that's their goal to win the national championship. I I think there's a pretty decent distance between Ohio State and Georgia uh, this year. 
I, I think you're right about you know where what we're placing Ohio State in a third or fourth best team. Ohio State's very very good, but they have clear issues. The I mean, Penn State has a very good red zone offense, but they stopped them countless times in the red zone. I mean, this was a pretty good game, all things considered, from Penn State. I mean, Sean Clifford may or may not be 100%. He looked 100%, but we don't really know. So I, I think this is one of those games where Penn State, I think, played really, really well, uh, came close to honestly taking this game over. Um, Ohio State is a very, very good football team. Henderson is a fabulous running back. Um, C.J. Stroud, whether he can get it done, we'll have to see. I don't think he's going to be able to beat like a Georgia. I think the Georgia will clobber them. Um, but Ohio State's going to go on to win the Big Ten. I don't think this is going to be shocking in a slice bit. Ben, anything else you want to add to our college football segment before we kind of move forward into the NBA? Well, just real quick on Ohio State, I, I, I do think it's funny because, I mean, I agree with you guys. I think for whatever reason, it seems like there's just kind of a piece missing to Ohio State. Um, and I think a big part of that is is the quarterback play that I mean they just don't have Justin Fields anymore it's just it is what it is and I'm not saying CJ Stroud is bad but I mean at times he looks like he's a freshman he looks young um and he'll I think he'll be a good quarterback but for right now it just seems like they're just like kind of like a step or a half a notch below where they usually are in my opinion I could be Mm -hmm. totally wrong um and it's funny because they're still a top five team I mean they're still right in the mix they're still right where they considering they've lost a game they're right where they need to be um, to to end to end up making the top four, which again I think if, I mean obviously if they went out I think they for sure would would, would make the college football playoff. Um, but it, it, I'm excited because you know, they got two more big games coming up um, that will really I think solidify their place in in this college football landscape. I don't think if they were to make the Big Ten championship, it looks like they're going to play like Wisconsin. So it, whoever they play in the Big Ten championship, I don't think would be super impressive whether that's Wisconsin or Iowa. Um, but how they handle, I mean, they, they, they handle Penn State. They got the win. I guess that's what matters. How they handle Michigan, how they handle Michigan State is going to tell a lot about this team um, as we kind of get into the second half of the season and, and see what they can do coming down the stretch when you really need to be playing your best football. So, um, you know, how C.J. Stroud plays and how that defense plays, uh, you know, that had all these questions come into this year will really tell a lot about their capability and where they fit into this college football landscape this year. Yeah, no, of course. It, it'll be interesting to see how, how the Buckeyes pan out this year. Uh, let's move on to the NBA, Trevor. I'm going to throw this on over to you. And let's let's start with the Chicago Bulls. They've, they've been heating up a little bit. Yeah, so the Bulls have had a really good start, which is uh, maybe a little surprising considering you know how many new pieces they've added, how different this team is this year versus last year. Obviously, you know, the past couple of years for the Bulls have been disappointing. Uh, they haven't made the playoffs since, I believe, the 2014-15. Well, actually, no, that's not correct. They made the playoffs uh, 2017 uh, with the, the team with Jimmy Butler, uh, D-Wade, and Rondo, but they were the eight seed, and they got quickly ousted in the first round of that one. Um, but this has been, I would say at least this has been as excited Bulls, just from talking to some Bulls fans, I don't think they've been this excited for about a team since maybe the Derrick Rose days, like 2011, 2012, like they really like this team. Um, they're excited about, you know, all the different scoring options. Obviously they love Zach Levine. They're glad uh, Lonzo's here um, and all that stuff. They really like the team. So, you know, how they've started has been awesome. It's a bit, it's kind of like what you would hope for. I mean, this is kind of like the optimistic viewpoint of what you would want. If you're a Bulls fan, they're five and one. They just have the lone loss to the Knicks which was at home, and it was a really, you know, uh, tough game. I mean, Kemba Walker was kind of on fire in that game. He was um, just, you know, really, I think, having a better game than maybe he would on average. So that's something that kind of works against them in the sense. But the Bulls overall have been really impressive. I mean, yesterday's game is one I'm going to talk about in particular because 
this is the one that really, um, you know, tells me something about the Bulls here. It's very early, and I don't want to have too many overreactions, but when we look at this Bulls-Jazz game yesterday, um, you know, one of the questions that I think a lot of people had about the Bulls was the defense. In particular, I would say the interior defense. Um, and they held the Jazz to 99 points last night. Um, I think they held them to like 29% from three. Uh, Vucevic, you, you have like Vucevic and Javante Green, who's in there um, playing, you know, I, Javante Green, I think is like 6'4", and he was like playing power forward um, and doing a pretty good job. You know, he's kind of feisty, can force some turnovers. I think he had like a breakaway uh, layup for them. So definitely a lot of good stuff for the Bulls, especially being the Jazz, who were the last undefeated team. And now that it seems like the defense is looking better than at least I expected, um, and, you know, that's a really good sign. The offense um, has been a little inconsistent here and there. Overall, I would say it looks good because it's kind of like, okay, now that they have multiple scores, multiple creators, it's not just Zach Levine having to do everything. Now, if Zach Levine has a bad night, then DeMar DeRozan picks up picks it up like he did last night. DeMar DeRozan had 32 points. Uh, Vucevic had a pretty good game. And they just have a lot of different weapons um, in terms of scoring, in terms of creating. Um, and then, you know, in the backcourt, they have two pretty solid defenders in Lonzo Ball. Uh, you got Alex Caruso coming off the bench. And then Levine, who, you know, going over to the Olympics, I think at least we've seen some growth with his defense because Levine, you know, in the past has been known as, you know, not a very good defender. It seems like he's making some strides in that area so far although it is early. So a lot of good things from the Bulls. But I think going forward, we really have to see how um, – I think the biggest question for me with the Bulls is their depth. Um, I, I think outside of Alex Caruso, you, you kind of – I think Kobe White's going to be really important for them when he comes back now. I mean, Patrick Williams, who is their starting power forward, uh, just got hurt, and he might be out for the season. I'm not exactly sure on that, but – that's a little bit of I think, a. I think he is. Yeah. Out so that's going to be a, a bad beat for them, and they're really going to have to rely on their depth um, when you have injuries like that. So Kobe White's going to be very important. Uh, they have like uh, Troy Brown Jr., uh, the young guy out of Oregon, who's going to be very important. So that's my biggest question for the Bulls. But right now, it's a it's a very big, uh, very good start. Um, if I were to transition here to another team who's had a good start, that's the Knicks. The Knicks on the other side of the coin do have really good depth now because they have added Kemba Walker um, on top of still having Derrick Rose. They got Evan Fournier in the offseason. And now on top of a team who is already a four seed and really solid in the regular season, um, now they have more depth on top of that. Um, and they should be better by all accounts. Like I am already thinking that I was too low on them in the preseason. Um, and it wasn't really that I was like trying to have them out of the playoffs. It was just that, I liked so many other teams better. And I just was like, well, yeah, I like Chicago a lot. So I'm going to put them ahead of the Knicks. I like Charlotte. I like Indiana. So I'm going to put these teams ahead of the Knicks. But now I think it's become clear that the Knicks are going to make the playoffs again, at least uh, to me. Um, it seems like they're going to make the playoffs. Now the question is in the playoffs for them, it's not depth like it is for the Bulls. It's more of um, like who is their closing lineup? Who is their who are you going to when you need a bucket? Is it Julius Randle? Um, because it was he couldn't do it last year in the playoffs against Atlanta. I mean, they were they were really bad in the playoffs, and they had a lot of uh, struggles trying to score the basketball against the Atlanta Hawks. So who's going to be their closing lineup, and who's going to get them buckets when they need it in you know the big games? So 
that that's what I'm looking forward to seeing from the Knicks. Um, who can be that person that really steps up in the biggest games? Um, but yeah, I mean, if either you, what well, actually Ben, I want to go to you because I know you're uh, not a Knicks fan, but you're an Obi Toppin fan. So what have you, you what have you it. thought about the Knicks um, and just how they have kind of followed up this great season with? Uh, so far at least and it's early another good season i mean their fans are going nuts yeah their fans are going crazy and again it's i can't stress enough how early it is i mean we most teams have played what probably like six games um let me pull my calculator mm-hmm. here real quick quick math says that's roughly seven percent of this season has uh been completed so it's so early um but the knicks have been fun to watch and i think i'm glad that you touched on the knicks and the bulls because um i should have said i meant to say it last week and i kind of forgot but they're just two teams that are really, really fun to watch. I think they got a lot of guys on the, both those teams that, that are easy to root for. Um, and they're fun to watch. And it, it's cool to kind of see, like, that game they played last Thursday. It's cool to see that matchup. And it feels like you're almost in the mid-90s again with these two teams. Again, it's early, but two teams that look like they're, you know, in the better half of, of the Eastern Conference. And two teams that preseason, you would have said, are probably in that second tier of teams. Um, so it's cool to see not only the Knicks, but also the Chicago Bulls play well early this year. Um, and Trevor, you made a really good point about last year with the Knicks, like the problem was end of the game, who's getting the ball and Julius Randle just, I mean, he had a great MVP candidate year last year, but in the playoffs, he just, he wasn't that guy. And I, I think that's where that addition of Kemba Walker can be extremely valuable. Cause yeah, he, he, he's a good point guard and he can facilitate, but he can also score and he can take over a game if he needs to. Um, so I, I think that is a, definitely a piece that they were missing last year is that Kemba Walker type player. That guy that's that's able to score from all around the court um, when you need a bucket in a close game at the end. So I'm excited to see how they how they do this year. Um, and obviously, I mean, I love Obi, but I I just think they have a lot of guys that are easy to root for because I don't think either team has a has a superstar, right? I mean, you got Kemba Walker, and you got Julius Randle, and you know the Bulls, you got Lonzo Ball, whoever Zach Levine, but they, they, there's no Giannis on that team. There's no Anthony Davis on these teams. I think these are the type of teams that are fun to watch because they really do have to play team basketball. You're not going to have one guy that's that you can rely on to score 40 points in a night if you need to, like Giannis can. Um, so it's going to be really fun to watch, I guess, not only these teams, but a couple other teams um, in this Eastern Conference that are not named the Nets and the Bucks. see how they handle um, with a lack of a superstar and, and how they or how they manage this year and, and all the things that are going to come with it. So I'm definitely excited to see um, you know, obviously what happens this year and just how the Knicks and I guess the Bulls as well um, are, are able to play in, in this season that hopefully is going to be you know somewhat normal from what we've seen the last couple of years. Yeah, definitely. I think there's uh, two more things I wanted to quickly mention. Uh, I wanted to talk about the Warriors a little bit um, and just like, you know, trying to think about can the Warriors be a contender? Um, now, obviously, it's very difficult to answer that question without Clay Thompson in the lineup. You know, he's supposed to come back hopefully January, maybe February, something like that. But right now the Warriors are playing very well. Um, They've only lost one game, an overtime game to Memphis. Um, And I believe they are, yeah, they're now five and one. So also strong start from the Warriors. Steph Curry has been awesome. I mean, if the MVP was given out today, I think it might, I think it probably have to be Steph Curry just with the level he's been playing. He looks like he might win another scoring title this year. He's averaging about 30 game again. And he's been pretty unstoppable. Um, you know, we've had some production. We've seen Jordan Poole have a couple good games. Shout out, Michigan guy for you, Brandon. Jordan Poole's been Ooh. playing pretty good. Uh, he's had a couple uh, good Shaw games. Obviously, Draymond Green, you know, we kind of know what he does in a sense. Um, but it's really like 
when Clay Thompson comes back, how is this team going to look? Can they be that team that, I mean, we saw, what has it been, a little bit over two years ago now when the 2019 Warriors, without Kevin Durant, were able to sweep the Portland Trailblazers in the Western Conference Finals when Steph and Clay were playing really well and Draymond, obviously, you know, that was kind of like, in a sense, like the Warriors of old that we saw like in 2015, 2016, they looked like that just over two years ago um, before losing to the Raptors in the finals. So can they get back to that team now with, uh, you know, obviously new additions and some different players, obviously Jordan Poole is going to be more of an important player on this team, Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see if they can be in the mix. And I kind of, I'm thinking more and more as I see this team play without Clay that, they might be able to. I mean, you look at the top of the West, it looks like um, there. I don't really think there's a clear best team in the West. Like, if I'm betting my life on it, if I'm if I'm betting on it, I still, even if the Lakers have been playing bad, I still think I'd probably trust them the most, you know, as we get closer to playoff time. But right now, it looks pretty wide open. You have Utah playing really well. Uh, the Lakers, Denver's look pretty good. Phoenix has actually not looked that great, but I think they'll still be in the mix too. Um, and then I think Golden State, they're they're in that mix too. Um, so really, just looking forward to see how this team looks with Clay Thompson, and uh, you know, see if they can be a contender. I guess uh, well, last thing I want to mention, just some rookies that have really stood out. Evan Mobley has been playing really good, hasn't looked like a rookie for the Cavs, and the Cavs are a very fun team. Cavs fans, uh, if if you're not watching the Cavs, you need to be because they are a fun team. Um, I wouldn't make any declarations about making the playoffs like one of our friends did last year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't jinx it. Um, but Evan Mobley has looked very good and the Cavs have looked like a fun team. Jalen green, another one, he's just going to put up points this year. Um, I think he's probably the favorite for rookie of the year, just with the sheer amount of points he scores. Uh, Davion Mitchell, obviously we know what he could do on defense and then occasionally has a good scoring, uh, outing as well here for the Kings. And then the last one, Chris Duarte out of Oregon, actually former high school teammate of a uh, small baller alum, Dylan Fry. So Chris Duarte over in Indiana has been really good. I think he was like late lottery, like 13, 14th pick. He's been really good. So just some of the rookies that I wanted to point out here uh, for this week. Yeah, no, a lot of, lot of good rookies. I know the Cavs are, are wheeling and dealing over there with Mobley. Um, but let's move on to the NFL, uh, go over a little bit of our, our takeaways from the previous week. Uh, and I, I got one takeaway right off the bat. Uh, there's two teams that I think thought weren't quite as good that are really good. One of them is the Green Bay Packers. I mean, we just saw them beat the uh, the Cardinals this past Thursday. Uh, they seem like they are a very, very good football team. And that was without Devontae Adams and like the starting three receivers or whatever it is. Robert Tunyon is out too. I think he got hurt in that game or maybe it was the game before. Um, they seem like they're a great football team. And then next is the, the Cincinnati Bengals, Ben. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think the Ravens are the greatest team in the world, but beating 41-17 any team away is pretty impressive, much less a team that was 5-1 and one going into the game. Uh, so I got to give it up to the Bengals and Joe Burrow. I mean, they looked really great. That defense is wonderful. Jamar Case seems like such a wonderful pick. I still would have picked the left tackle. But nevertheless, he had 200 yards, a uh, little 200 bomb on my Ravens. I mean, Ben, your Bengals are looking good. Yeah, I mean, they're. I think they're exceeding expectations. They're. They seem like they're a good team. I wouldn't call them a great team by any means. Um, but I said at the beginning of the year, I said I remember saying on this podcast, I remember saying like, I've heard experts say they're going to win two games. I heard experts say they're going to win nine games or ten games and make the playoffs. So I was like, I really had no idea what to expect. 
Um, again, I think they're good. I don't think they're 30 points better than the Ravens good. Uh, I think the Ravens didn't play well. I think the Bengals played exceptionally well. But it's exciting to see, man. Um, yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase has looked awesome. Joe Burrow has looked awesome. That defensive line uh, is a lot better than they were last year, able to, to you know, what, sack Lamar Jackson five times. Um, and if any, if it was a quarterback other than Lamar Jackson, it probably would have been like 10 sacks. But, you know, Lamar is so good at getting one yard out of a situation where he should have lost 10 yards. Um, so they, they're fun to watch. Again, it's a long season, and I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. But I, I would be lying if I said I'm not ecstatic where, at, at where they're at right now seven games into this year. Yeah, it's 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 very interesting. Five and two, Bengals are five and two, uh, beating a, a divisional rival away. Very 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 impressive. Trevor, any takeaways for you from this past week of football? Yeah, I think the thing I want to point out today is uh, the for- San Francisco 49ers. I mean, they really just haven't lived up the expectations so far. Earlier, I mean, before the season, I think some people had them, you know, winning their division. Some people thought maybe the 49ers could make a Super Bowl, maybe even win it. And here they are definitely not that team. They are two and four um, in this latest game against the Colts. Jimmy Garoppolo threw two interceptions, uh, you know, 16 to 27, only a, you know, uh, QBR of, of 7.7. Am I reading that correctly? Yeah, 7.7. That's that's very bad. It's not good at all. Um, so this kind of experiment that started with, okay, we maybe we'll have like, this two quarterback system, or maybe we'll, you know, kind of have Jimmy, but then we'll potentially bring out uh, Trey Lance some of the time. And we're just going to try to figure it out. And I mean, just their decision alone in the draft to trade up to number three, to get Trey Lance, um, just in general, a lot of the things that the Niners have done that they have bet on um, haven't panned out all that great so far. It doesn't seem like, I mean, with Lance, it's early, so I'm not going to make a judgment like, oh, Lance is a bad quarterback just because of how the season started. It's not like he's gotten a ton of opportunities anyway. Uh, but Jimmy G, at least, I think we can say with a little more certainty that Jimmy G is not very good. Um, and that's definitely an area at quarterback, which is the most important position that the Niners don't have an answer to right now. I mean, it could be Trey Lance. It could be. But, uh, they don't have an answer for that. And if you don't have an answer for quarterback, uh, you're not going to be contending for the Super Bowl, uh, to put it lightly. So the Niners don't have an answer to that position. Obviously, yes, they have had, you know, some injuries again, similar last season. Not nearly, not as bad as last season, I don't think, but they have some, had some injuries. But even just in general, I, I don't think they should be playing this bad. I don't think they should be losing to the Colts. Um, they're now on a four game losing streak. And some of those were good teams, like it was the Cardinals and the Packers, two of the teams they lost to. But I really thought, and like most people thought, that the 49ers were going to be better than this. And I think it's just been a big disappointment for 49ers fans. I mean, it's it's going to be tough, uh, you know, to see what direction they go in from here. I mean, they have the Bears today, and then they play the Cardinals again. I mean, again, this this tough division, which isn't quite as tough anymore because two of the teams are pretty bad. Um, but still, you know, having to play the Cardinals and Rams in back-to-back weeks coming up, that's not easy. And I think it's clear now that the Niners are not going to make the playoffs. Um, so just wanted to point that out because it's been a disappointing start for them for sure. Yeah, no, for sure, 100%. Um, let's move on to a little MVP race talk. We're, we're almost halfway through the season here. Um, so I think it's reasonable to talk about MVPs. To me, there are two clear favorites. Um, but you know, Ben, I'm, I'm gonna let you go first. Who, who do you think, you know, who are a couple of people that you think are really up there for the MVP award? Um, I still think 
I still think Kyler Murray's in that conversation. I don't know if he's never necessarily number one anymore, but I still think it's hard not to put Kyler Murray in that conversation. Um, I think Josh Allen has to be in that conversation because if, I mean, his team's playing well, first of all, and you're not going to win MVP if your team's not playing well. Um, but also, he's just—I mean—he's been amazing, and they're—they're they're dropping. I mean, they're—they're they're winning all these games by a bunch of points. Um, I mean, Josh Allen has to be in that conversation. Um, and I'll say somebody—I'll—I'm going to leave a couple other names because I want you guys to say some people. But I'll say Lamar Jackson as well. I'll give Lamar Jackson credit. He's looked really good this year. He's got to be in that conversation. Anytime Lamar is playing as well as Lamar can play, he should be in that conversation um, because obviously he can run super well, but. I mean, his throw, his throws this year have been really impressive. He's definitely gotten better with his arm. Um, so I always think if Lamar Jackson is Lamar Jackson, he deserves to be in that conversation um, as well. So again, just a couple names. Not nothing. I don't think I took it or had any hot takes there, but just a couple names um, of, of people that I think are still probably in the top five of that conversation, in my opinion. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of other people that that you guys want to get to, so I'll let you guys get to that. I just wanted to say a couple names that that came to the, my head uh, mm-hmm. right right off the bat. So I actually have two completely different names that I think Let's are the top it. two uh, for the award. Uh, number one, I think is tough. I'm, I'm just gonna list both of them. It's not these aren't in a necessarily in order. It's just both of them I think are, are at the top. Uh, one of them is Tom Brady. Uh, Tom Brady's had an exceptional year. He has the most passing touchdowns of any quarterback. Only three picks, 21 touchdowns, three picks. He's thrown for almost 2,300 yards in only seven games. Uh, will probably be leading the league in yards. He has one of the highest yards per game. Um, one of the highest QBRs and quarterback ratings among any quarterback. I mean, he's had a fabulous year. Um, it's, it, it would be hard for me to not say that he'd be one or two. The other person, I, I, I think it might have slipped your mind a little, is, uh, is Mr. Derrick Henry. Uh, Ten touchdowns, almost uh, 900 yards uh, through seven games. Uh, he hasn't even played eight whole games. So a uh, lot of action from him. Uh, he seems like he might be bound for a 2,000-yard season. We'll, we'll have to see. I mean, 10 touchdowns already is, is really, really insane. Uh, he's averaging 124 yards per game, which is also just crazy. Uh, so Derrick Henry, got to be up there. Those would be my, my top two uh, for the MVP race, and either one I think is quite deserving. Trevor, anyone else we didn't mention or people that you want to highlight that we did mention? Yeah, so I think those are two great uh, – I think that's a great top two, um, honestly, Brandon, that you said Tom Brady and Derrick Henry because – uh, Tom Brady, I mean, it's it, well, it's hard to compare quarterbacks and running backs, obviously. It's like between a quarterback and a running back, how are you going to decide who's MVP? It's tough, and I don't know how many um, years in a row it's been quarterback. I think is Adrian Peterson maybe the last one? I, I don't know. Um, but it's it's been at least probably eight or nine years since a position outside of quarterbacks won the MVP, so it's going to be tough. But if there was one to do it, I think it could be this year with Derrick Henry. I mean, looking at his numbers, just – his numbers compared to other running backs in the league, it's just like such a stark difference. I mean, you look at rushing yards, he's at 869. The next player is Jonathan Taylor at 579. Uh, you look at touchdowns, 10. The next player, it looks like there's, um, well, James Conner. James, James Conner has eight. eight, but a lot of them are like punch it in, you know, one yard out type of situations. Um, you look at like yards per game, 124. Um, who's the next in terms of that? I think it's Nick Chubb, it looks like, but Nick Chubb's yeah. mixed, missed games. Um, Dalvin Cook also. It's not even close. Yeah. Nick, Nick Chubb's 104 and Henry's 124. It's a 20-yard difference. A, yeah, it's, it's a 20-yard difference, and Nick Chubb's missed games anyway. Um, so, yeah, it's just the difference is so stark with Derrick Henry. I think he at least has to be under consideration, and he definitely has a great argument. Uh, now, in terms of you know the quarterbacks, I mean, Tom Brady – 
has to be number one. I don't want to make this a Tom Brady love fest like I would like to do. I mean, it should um, be. It should be. It, it, it kind of should be. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to talk too much about it. But 21 touchdowns, three interceptions to age 44. I mean, you don't really have to say anything else. It's pretty, pretty incredible. Uh, the yards, um, he will he would be first if Kyler Murray didn't play an extra game. He'll be first after today. Uh, completion percentage is 67%. Pretty solid there. I mean, he's just been really good. Really, the only bad game he played was against the Patriots, a former team. Um, other than that, he's been exceptional. Um, but I think some other names, they're going to be in the mix as well. Because I think I agree with your top two, Brandon. I think Brady's one. I think Henry's two. Um, as far as some of the other names, Stafford, looking at his numbers, looking at how the Rams have played, he's got to be in the mix. He's 19 touchdowns, four interceptions. Um, he's definitely in the mix. I think um, Josh Allen as well should be in the mix. Now, Josh Allen, um, in terms of the volume, I don't think is quite on the same level. Um, where Where is he even at? Yeah, he's quite on the same level. Now, he's only played six games, though, so it kind of that's kind of why, I guess, in a sense, um, that he has 15 touchdowns, three interceptions. They had a bye week, 17 yard, 1,700 yards. Maybe he'll catch up uh, to some extent today when they play the Miami Dolphins, who they might destroy. Um, but, yeah, I think – Allen's in the mix. Kyler is definitely still in the mix for sure. Um, 17 touchdowns, seven interceptions has, I'm not sure how many rushing touchdowns, probably four or five. Um, and his completion percentage is very good. So Kyler Murray, just in terms of what he has to do um, for this team, uh, it definitely does a lot. Yes, he has good receivers. Um, but I think obviously when your team was undefeated up until this past week, Kyler Murray has been very good. And I think he's in the conversation. So like if I was doing like a top five, I think it's Brady one, Henry two, and then in some order, I think the three through five is probably Kyler, Stafford, and Josh Allen. I think is probably what I would lean towards. Um, you could even go as far as like Lamar Jackson's been very good. Dak Prescott, who I forgot to mention, Dak Prescott honestly could be in the top five too. So it's mm-hmm. it's tough to say, but um, that's kind of those are kind of the guys that are in the mix right now. All right, well, to wrap up the episode today, we, of course, will do our score predictions. What is the scoreboard? I, I, I think I got this last week. Yes, you got you got this last one, Brandon. You guys you guys had two of the worst predictions <laughs> I've ever seen. Can you, I want you to update the people on, on just awful predictions you guys It doesn't made. matter. No, no. It doesn't matter. We're moving on. No, yeah, matter. we don't need to talk about ours. We can talk about yours, though, Brandon. You, uh... Uh, everyone go back and listen. <laughs> everyone go back and listen to what they predicted because it was, it was terrible. I, I think it needs to be said. Okay. Well, Brandon, you had the Packers winning by 17. They won by 14, so very good prediction there. You now have two points. Um, Ben's still in the lead with three. I have zero. Um, so, yeah, Brandon, do you want to start off with your prediction? Of course. So I'm going to take the Bengals and Jets uh, game today. I'm obviously going to take the Bengals. I was going to do the uh, Bills and Dolphins, um, but I feel like this is a win-win situation for me. If I predict the Bengals to win, which I'm going to by a lot, uh, Ben's going to get all angsty about it. And he doesn't like when people predict the Bengals to win. So that just, it's like a double whammy. Ben gets a little weirded out. And, you know, maybe it jinxed the Bengals. So it's all it's all, it's all, all good stuff. Uh, but actually, I do think the Bengals are going to win. I have them winning by 20 points today. 20-point win over the Jets. Uh, the Jets suck. That's pretty much as much as we need to you're, say You're just the that. worst type of person. You know that? You're just the worst, man. <laughs> ben, Absolute what's worst. your prediction on this week? Go ahead and predict the Ravens game. You'll be wrong. So Yeah. Uh, I'm actually going to change my my pick i was gonna do the uh the vikings and the cowboys but i don't want to i don't want my pick or my possible point to rely on dak prescott playing and maybe like sucking because he's hurt so i'm gonna change i'm not gonna do that game i'll go to a game that's actually tougher to pick i'm gonna go eagles lions okay two bad teams i think i'm gonna pick the lions in this game Ooh. i think it's time 
I think it's time for the Lions to get a win. I'm putting faith in the Lions, the Detroit Lions, who are not a good team. But I don't think the Eagles are that good either. So I'm going to pick the Lions to win that game by a touchdown. Okay, they're three-point underdogs. Um, actually, no, the Lions are favored. I lied. Lions are a three-point – or no, the Lions are – No, they're not. Point. I'm wrong. Okay, the Lions are still an underdog. I'm picking the Lions to win outright. I'm picking the Lions to win by seven points. Wow. Nice. I'm excited for that prediction to be very wrong. Trevor, I'm taking. It's a, I'm taking a. I, I like. I don't like to go the easy way out and just pick a game that the spread's really big. I like to make it you know, a little bit interesting. I like to work for my point. But whatever. <laughs> See, I, I feel like the big spreads are tough though. They're really tough because they could be like thirty-five or they could be like fourteen. Those are vastly different numbers. You know. Think about it, if you predict a game that's closer and it's within seven and you. Predict- yeah, but I got. I got to pick the right. The right team to win in this game, and that's hard. You're picking a game that it's. It's ninety-nine percent of people are going to pick the Bengals to win that game. Knock on wood. I'm well, picking I'm a one game of those ninety-nine. That- I'm picking a game that could go either way, and I have no idea who's going to win. I'm just hoping that the Lions win this game because if they don't win this game, then my predictions are relevant, and I can't get a point if you don't that pick is true. the winner. That is true. Well, all that matters is the score at the end of the day. Trevor, what is your prediction for this week? Yeah, so I'm going with the Rams and Texans game. I'm going with the Brandon Root of a blowout. Um, I think the Rams are going to beat the Texans by 21 points. Uh, you know, Texans just got destroyed by the Cardinals. Uh, and the Rams, you know, they struggle a little bit against the Lions. So I think, you know – they're going to come out here and, you know, maybe have a, I mean, I shouldn't say statement because it's the Houston Texans, but they're going to look good. And I have them winning by 21 points. Sounds good. Well, I think we'll wrap up our episode there for today. Thank you all so much for listening. And of course, thanks for all the support you give to the podcast. Uh, please follow us on Twitter at the small baller or click the link in the description. So, you know, when all of our podcasts go live, uh, of course, we'll be back next Sunday at 4 PM Eastern standard time with another small baller podcast. So stay tuned for that. Um, With that being said, thank you all so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Go Falcons!